There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the stairs off sparkly, spanking clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. music, wine, and then blue bump the glory hole is like a, a like dick theater. I imagine you're going to do your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hello. How's everybody doing out there today? Yeah. Welcome back to another By the By. Yes. Sorry, I'm still playing with the mixing board. Uh-huh. And, um, still playing with your buttons? It's pushing my buttons. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I need my buttons just in okay. case I need somebody to laugh at me. <laughs> I'm sure we can get that for <laughs> you, babe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, here we are on another week of By the By. Um, what do we have going on? What do we want to talk about uh, before we talk about what we talk about? It is Pride Month. It this is. is. We're getting towards the end. It is. Yeah. It is. But that's what we're going to talk about. Do we have any like, oh. updates or anything? Um, so if you are still uh, interested in supporting our movie that we are making, it is queer friendly. It is poly friendly. It is not friendly to the ratings board. Mm. So yes, you can still donate. That's a tax deductible donation. If you're in Australia, you can still get it in your tax deduction this year. Um, so for those in the States, the Australian tax year goes from July to June. It's weird as hell. It does not follow the calendar year. Whatevs. Anyway. But it also makes it a lot less stressful, like at Christmas time. That's so, fair, fair enough. You know. yeah, yeah. You're not stressing yeah. at the end of the year to get everything in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, yeah. So if you want to make a donation to that, it is at www.australianculturalfund.org. Yes. And just search for Refuse Classification. Yes. So that's the name of the movie is Refuse Classification. And like we said, it's um, we're, something we're pretty excited about. And uh, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be fun. It's I look forward fun. to it. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to make this movie and it's going to be released this year. Yep. So. And it'll be a short film. So yes. yeah, nothing super long, but it's, it's exciting and it's going to be fun and I can't and, wait to see it. And it is a comedy. So yeah. I think that's important to yeah. say because, you know, this can be serious subjects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So pretty excited for that. Mm. Um, do we have anything else? We have nothing like we're still under we're just now starting to get out of quarantine. Unfortunately, our secret spot is yet to open. Yep. We're hoping that beginning of August. So yeah. uh, August 1st is the date that we're fingers crossing it on. Yeah. And we are, even though it is the end of June, we're already making some plans for dates late yes. in July. So nothing too soon, but we're starting to think about getting out and starting the kind of one-on-one dating again. And yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that and just connecting with people, even if it's just, I mean, uh, admittedly, we'll probably have sexy times, but even if it is just kind of hanging around and chatting and just being free and, you know, kind of getting rid of some of the heavy stuff. Yeah, because it, it's interesting because we still, when we go out and you see a big crowd, it's, it is a, a bit of a second guessing thing. You mm-hmm. look at them and you're like, are you infected? And we're <laughs> nowhere near the problems that the poor U.S. is having. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I can't imagine what it's like going out there. Um, I don't uh, think we would. No, I don't no. think we would. Uh, we would be some of those that are at home uh, quarantining and, and still isolating. Yeah. Isolating. Yeah. Um, not one of the ostriches that like to stick their heads in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, go vote, people. Yep. That's that's going to become a theme of this podcast. <laughs> I think. Uh, this episode, I should say. Yeah, so as Angela touched on uh, a couple of moments ago, this is the last week of Pride Month, though I don't feel like it should be just a month. You you, you can you can be full of pride year-round. Um, but officially, June is Pride Month for the LGBTQ plus community. 
and th- that's sort of one of the things we wanted to talk about uh, today. So, you know, we we often are out uh, and and we get to you know fly our freak flags and we march in Mardi Gras. There's been news articles on us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the podcast, so we definitely um, we definitely are you know out there and and hopefully we we show pride and demonstrate a positive side to both. Uh, for both the queer community and and the uh, ethically non-monogamous community, the kink community, the poly community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but I was kind of curious, Angela, yes. on the spot. Okay. What does pride mean to you? So, like, what do you what do you think when you think pride? And you think, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, how do you? How does it make you feel? What is it? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is being out and loud and proud. And so it is being able to be authentically myself and being able to not hide that and and to be that around anybody that I am I interact with in a, in daily life and and just being able to be that. And and it's not like necessarily throwing it in people's faces, but I just don't hide who I am. And and that's just that's just how it is. But I also understand that for a lot of people that's not possible and they aren't able to be exactly who they are around everyone in their life and in fact may not even be able to bound anyone in their life Mm. and that's completely okay that's I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we all have our reasons and we all have our life circumstances and it's different for everyone in in who's around and where you are and what's going on so I think ultimately you know, yes, it would be amazing if we, if nobody had to hide who they were, if they could just be who they are and be accepted in society at large, in their small circles, in their big circles, that would be the absolute ideal. That's not realistic at the moment. And I don't think, quite frankly, it ever will be realistic. So ultimately, I would say that to me, pride is about accepting yourself for who you are and and knowing that you're okay with, with who you are and okay with your, whether it be your sexual orientation, whether it be lifestyle choices, whatever it is, that, that you're okay with this and that you accept yourself and that you're not beating yourself up for it. You're not giving yourself a hard time for, for who you are and how you feel and how you want to live your life and that you're able to do that as much as you possibly can even if it's in in your own little private life and and hopefully you've got a loved one or loved ones in your family your friends circle you know your community that you can be authentically yourself with but even if it is just an online presence and maybe you have an online support group i, I would hope that everyone has at least someone or someone's that they have as as a support group but i i think ultimately it's more about just accepting yourself and being honest with yourself, being true to yourself and being comfortable with that. And then, you know, if you can affect other areas, then that's great. But if not, just, just know that you're who you are and that that's okay. Well said. And you? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, so a, a few weekends ago, we did a, uh, a pride night at the Imperial uh, Hotel here in Sydney. Um with Biconic? With Biconic. Yes. Yes. And uh, we were one of the few people who actually were there in person uh, because we got to get up on stage and do a little interview with Bree, who has been on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the questions she asked was, what does pride mean to you? And for me, I think sort of dovetailing from what you just said, um, a, a lot of people, when they hear pride, they think leading a parade and or leading the march and and screaming and drawing attention to in a in a positive way, um, the, you know the the community and the lifestyles. Uh, but I also think it's just as important to focus on quiet pride uh, because, like you said, not everybody can be who they are authentically, um, be it from family or be it from their religion or their work or their government. But quiet pride is, is just as important. And I think that is, it's one of those things that uh, I think also often gets overlooked. And so it, it is one of those things that if you are, you know, do something for yourself, even if it's just as, as simple and small as, as writing, you know, your label that you like or something in the mist on the shower door as you shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's that making it real, seeing something physical. I think that's what pride is sort of all about is the positive effect that you can have on yourself 
and hopefully others and actually making it manifest. And sometimes having that little something that is just yours can be kind of exciting and titillating and, and knowing that you've got something that is really special to you and it's, and it's just yours, even if you can't share it with other people, like that can be enough. That can be what you need. I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, but you know, I I think that it's important to, to remember that uh, pride doesn't have to be screaming loud. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's immensely important to sort of recognize that. And we've been very quiet on all of our socials just because life has been very stressful, uh, both, you know, for us work wise and mental health wise. And, um, we haven't been swinging our flags around. Mm. Um, and then with, you know, everything else that's going on around the world, you know, it seems, you know, we don't want to take away from the, uh, the importance of the black lives matter movement. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it is very much a more, we were quiet out of respect. Yeah. Um, the queer community fought very hard to get where they are and to get the, the rights that, that we all have. And it's, you know, it would be nice to see that we band together with the Black Lives Matter. Movement. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, look, do you want to jump into the the meat of our yes. podcast. We were very, very fortunate to get to interview the vice president of Asylum Connect. It was such a good opportunity to talk to somebody who worked with Asylum Connect. So we'll we'll let we'll let Hans talk to you more about what they do. But basically, it's about helping uh, the LGBTQ plus community seeking asylum in the U S mostly, but, uh, from, from places where they're persecuted. Yeah. So asylum connect is a, it's a tech resource platform for people that are fleeing persecution due to sexual orientation or gender identity. So it helps to connect people who are asylum seekers with services and resources. Um, and it can, they have a lot of informational resources on their website. There's a lot of different services they can connect people with. And there's a lot of different ways to support the community and asylum seekers. And it's such a good resource. But like Bradford said, we'll let Hans talk to you a little bit more about it, a little more in depth, and then we'll come back at the end. Yes. And away we go. So we'd like to welcome Hans from Asylum Connect. Uh, this is a, a, a great organization uh, that is really helpful for the LGBTQ plus community. Rather than me kind of go through and, and try to tell the folks at home what you do, why don't Hans, like, hello, and why don't you tell us exactly what uh, uh, Asylum Connect does and, and how you help? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm Hans Hao, Vice President of Sound Connect. Uh, we are a tech nonprofit that helps provide the world's first tech resource platform for those who are fleeing persecution based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. There are more than 70 countries around the world where it is illegal to identify as LGBTQ and in many cases it's extremely dangerous um, for them. And many of those asylum seekers um, come to a country like the US, Canada, and UK to seek asylum so that they will no longer be persecuted um, due to their identity. That's amazing. And so how many individuals are we talking about that, that are in a position where they are seeking asylum for, their, for who they are? I think there are not really sort of hard numbers in the U.S. Um, because it's hard to find, you know, what percentage of um, asylum seekers in the U.S. would actually identify as LGBTQ because asylum seekers can apply for asylum based on persecution because of their political opinion, because of their religion mm-hmm. and many other factors. But I would say in the United States, um, we have almost a million cases that are um, in the backlog of our immigration courts. And I would say a percentage, probably 10% of that would be related to LGBTQ um, asylum. And so that's a huge you know, number of people who come from countries where you know, it's dangerous for them and they have been persecuted and they come to U.S. in search of a better life. But unfortunately, the, the journey of seeking asylum is extremely challenging and long, especially 
um, under the current administration. Hmm. So what kind of resources does Asylum Connect uh connect people with i'm assuming it would be law resources health care um like yep. it, what kinds of filling out the forms yeah <laughs> uh, any kind of like resettlement right legal representation is definitely one of the main ones mm-hmm. so we, we do connect um asylum seekers who need access to lawyers who can represent them um, whether it's in court or at the asylum office and then access to healthcare resources, especially mental healthcare, because many of them because have suffered trauma in, from their past and, and in a journey to, to their new country. Um, and they need access to um, affirming mental health care that can help them process the trauma. And then also access to homeless shelters, food, uh, employment training, um, language classes, that sort of thing, because, you know, many asylum seekers come to the U.S. don't necessarily have the financial resources to start to, to get access to their services. And uh, a significant percentage of um, asylum seekers can end up homeless because when they first arrive in the U.S., there's a long period of time where they are not eligible to work to earn an income. So then, you know, many of them without any income would be ended up homeless. And I think that's that's a problem that we are trying to solve. And we work with nonprofits who can um, help to provide those services. That's fantastic. So how long has Asylum Connect been been going as a nonprofit? Uh, I think officially Asylum Connect has been going for five years now. It started out as um, really an idea founded uh, by Katie, who's, who's the, the current executive director. You know, she and her co-founder, who's a gay asylum seeker at that time, you know, realized that there's this gap that, you know, many asylum seekers um, face and piloted the product in, in one or two cities and realized that, you know, this problem is actually bigger than they envisioned. And, and I, I joined a team you know, very early on in 2016, 2017. Um, and we were, you know, acting in a few major cities in the United States and have since um, scaled the catalog nationally and have also expanded to Canada and Mexico in response to, you know, what um, the Trump administration is trying to do to restrict immigration in general in the U.S. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the reason why we are growing is, unfortunately, the need is... Um, growing. And I think our mission is to hopefully one day be able to help anyone who is who is being persecuted based on, you know, their sexual orientation or gender identity to to really build a new life. And that's a goal that we're trying to reach. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you touched on it a bit there with the, the Trump administration. And I, I don't think it's any uh, surprise to anybody who's listening that a, a lot of what he has done has not been of help for the uh, LGBTQ plus community. Um, can you talk a bit more on that? I, I know that it's a struggle and, and we see a, a, a lot of things that uh, it seems like anything that the Obama administration put into play, uh, the Trump administration tries to re- retract but basically just because of him just not liking Obama. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the, yeah. the, the, the policies at all, really. Um, right. It seems personal. Yep. So that's like, I also then have a positive to this, which is, you know, what the Supreme Court did in the past two weeks, um, yep. saying that you cannot uh, fire somebody based on their uh, gender identity or their um, sexual orientation, and then also rolling back, or they're pushing back on the DACA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you, I know that's a. I mean, I just, I just dumped <laughs> yeah, like a- I dumped a full <laughs> podcast on you. <laughs> no pressure, but just like, yeah. how does Asylum connect? How are you dealing with that? All that information. Yeah, and uh, I, I can go back even last year when the Trump administration introduced the Remain in Mexico policy, which is essentially um, an immigration ban for. Uh, migrant asylum seekers from South America who are trying to enter the U.S. through our southern border. Um, And seeking asylum is uh, a a legal right that they have. And basically the Trump administration is telling them, well, 
you have to remain in Mexico until your case is heard. And for many of those asylum seekers who have escaped dangerous um, conditions, some of whom identifies LGBTQ, mm-hmm. it's not safe for them to remain in Mexico while they they hear that case. Uh, we have been um, seeing a lot of cases of kidnappings, of gang violence that uh, occur in Mexico, and and obviously the Trump administration is forcing them to remain in Mexico. And that's that's how that's why uh, Assam Connect, even though we initially started out being just focused in the US, had to expand to Mexico because we receive inbound inquiries from um, Assam seekers in Mexico who are saying, well, I'm here. Uh, I don't really know where to go um, to um, stay while I'm hearing my case. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gay and I'm, I'm, I'm traveling with um, other migrants and uh, who discriminate against me. Like, what should I do? Um, which is why we have to partner with uh, Mexico-based nonprofits to connect them with the resources that um, they need. And that's just one uh, example that I think the Trump administration has um, been introducing. And I think the most recent role is his latest draft role to really redefine um, the asylum system in the U.S. And his latest draft rule would essentially increase or maximize the bar of persecution. Uh, so for an asylum seeker who might face um, a threat of imprisonment, that by itself is not would no longer be considered persecution, which is extremely dangerous because that would disqualify most of the asylum seekers who are already in the U.S. Um, from being successful in that case. And his administration is also trying to remove gender-based violence from being uh, a group that qualifies under asylum. And I think that is especially troubling because you have um, transgendered asylum seekers from countries mm-hmm. where being transgendered by itself would be seen as a crime and they are subjected to so much violence. And that what the Trump administration is, is saying is that, well, you would no longer be eligible to uh, apply for asylum um, because of the fact that you you receive gender-based violence and we don't consider that as a category. So I can go on and on, but from all of this, I guess, anti-immigrant and anti-asylum seeker sentiment from the Trump administration has been um, extremely challenging for so many nonprofits that work directly for, with asylum seekers. And I foresee coming up with the election um, this year in November that there'll be uh, many lawsuits filed by nonprofits to really slow down all of this um, um, anti-immigrant um rules that he's trying to push forward it's just amazing how with all of that it's really it's almost like trying to dismantle the asylum system completely and and yeah. it just yeah it's, it's hard for me to fathom yeah it, 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 it's it's tough you know growing up in the american south you know you hear like you know, america is the is the safe place for people. We, you know, we welcome people with open arms, the land of opportunity, the land of opportunity. Um, and that doesn't, that seems now kind of like just a a bullshit thing that we told ourselves. For sure. And I think this is something that I know I take personally, um, just a little bit about my background. Um, I, I am a gay Islam seeker who, um, grew up in Malaysia, one of the countries where it's legal to be gay knowing very well that, you know, gay men could be in prison up to 20 years just for being who you are. And I um, came to the U.S. by way of education and I applied for asylum three years ago. That was three years ago. And to this day, I'm still waiting for the day that I will get an interview. And I think that is indicative of what the Trump administration has been doing to so many immigrants who applied for asylum in this country many years ago. And they are stuck in this huge backlog um, that is that, that contains so many cases um, that the immigration offices and courts are not able to process. Um, and the Trump administration is not doing anything to help 
process those cases faster while making sure that you know every case gets uh, the time and intention that it needs because folks are fearing for their lives mm-hmm. and and right now there's a huge um, backlog and he's trying to gut the asylum system and God knows if he's successful hundreds of thousands of asylum seekers would be deported from this country yeah. back to you know where they came from mm. and you know the amount of violence that would create as a result of that would be huge it just does go to show how much how many resources are needed to support these people during that time because it's not like you said it's not a hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Quick process. It, it can take many, many years, and that length is as of yet unknown because the, that backlog isn't really getting pushed through. So that, that's yeah. a lot, lot of resources that are needed in the meantime. I guess a, a quick question is, do you have any sense of how many cases are in that log like how many people are in line do we know so in the immigration courts there are there are almost a million cases wow in the wow across the u.s and so you've been waiting for two years three years almost three, three, three years. years sorry you've been waiting for three years yeah how long does the average asylum seeker have to wait is that normal it depends it is normal under this administration. Um, it depends on the office, uh, which ju- jurisdiction your office is located in. Um, for San Francisco, I think the average wait time is two years. But for LA, for example, where you are closer to the southern border, the wait time could be three years. Wow. Um, same, same thing with New York. Where in, in major cities where you have many asylum cases being filed, the wait time tends to be longer. But I would say on average, two to three years is, is pretty common. And I think the Trump administration introduced a last in, first out policy last year, where cases that are filed today would get priority in terms of um, their interview. So to deter folks who are just coming to the U.S. just to get a work permit from applying in the first place. Because if you apply for asylum today, you ha- you would have your interview within months, in, in two to three months. And then you know whether your case is successful or not. And I think the repercussion of that is that anyone who applied for asylum before that rule was introduced, so this was back in January 2018, get pushed back further into the backlog because Every day there are new cases being filed. So um, there's not going to be a time when the courts or the asylum officers will ever get to the backlog because they are still processing cases that are being filed every single day. So folks like me are stuck in a backlog waiting um, for years, not having a light at the end of a tunnel. Wow. That's depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And all this time, you have to survive on your own. You know, you have to figure out how you would be able to pay for legal resources if you don't have uh, pro bono legal representation. So if people want to work with your organization, I'm, I'm assuming that 
that you just partner with like law firms, you partner with healthcare facilities, um, other well, nonprofits I know you mentioned. So can people reach out to you and say that, hey, we want to work with you? Is that how that works? Or Yeah, um, they could go to uh, our website, asylumconnect.org, um, um, to check out our catalog. And if they are a direct service provider who is willing or is providing services of any sort for immigrants in general, um, they can list themselves as a resource on okay. our catalog. Um, and we would reach out to those organizations and vet them and make sure that they are safe and affirming for um, asylum seekers and for LGBTQ people mm-hmm. um, before we actually put it on our catalog. Right. So I suggest that they definitely reach out to us. Okay. And is this people anywhere? Are we talking US-wide or are we talking worldwide? Um, US-wide uh, and Canada and Mexico as well. So okay. those are the three countries that we are you know, currently active in. And, and we could potentially expand to other regions in the future based on need. But at the moment, we are focused on those three countries. Right. Gotcha. And also, I'm assuming that uh, if, if people would like to make a tax-deductible donation, that's also acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always welcome, especially during Pride. Yes. 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 And details are on our website, too. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, we're jumping around a bit yeah. because it just, um, it just pops into my head. Would you mind speaking a little more about growing up in a place where it being gay and growing up in a place where you're not safe to be gay or, yeah. or be yourself? Do you mind talking about that a bit? Yeah, it's, you know, extremely challenging because, um, when the law says that you could go to jail just for being gay at a young age, you, you, when you're accustomed to that kind of environment, you do whatever you can to stay safe. Mm. Um, You try to fit in as much as possible until when you get to a certain age. um, And and if you start to stand out a little bit, then you get targeted. Uh, and, And for me, you know, I've been targeted by gangs and I was involved, um, in, in a police incident one time where I was, you know, I, they would threaten to arrest me just for me being who I am. And I think that kind of incident is pretty common, unfortunately, in, in Malaysia, especially I think transgendered uh, Malaysians have, you know, faced the most violence um, because they obviously can't hide, you know, the external appearance and, and police violence is very real. And it's condoned by the government um, because the law says that it's it's a crime. Um, and for me, even when I try to speak out against that, uh, I, and I wrote an article a few years ago that went viral in Malaysian media because I was basically just criticizing what is happening and calling for those laws to be abolished. You know, I received so much hate um, from the public and I've seen how activists and journalists are being penalized by the government just for speaking up and criticizing the government for what they do. Um, And it's totally legal in in Malaysia to do that, um, which is, you know, really unfortunate. And I think because of that, because life is just so difficult for anyone who identifies as LGBTQ in Malaysia, that you either have to remain in a closet or just not bring attention to yourself because when you do, you you are you know risking danger and you know many Malaysians have to go to other countries as a result. Wow. So what is the prison's term for being gay? I mean, because like it, it's not like you can change and be not gay and be let go of let out of prison, right? I mean. They, yeah, the maximum sentence is up to 20 years. Wow. Uh, so it, it, it depends on the situation. It depends on the court. It depends if there are just so many factors uh, wow. behind that. You know, obviously, the more um, visible or the more uh, vocal you are, and if you are seen as a threat to the government, obviously, the, the sentence would be very different than if you are just, you know, someone who is, who is uh, an av- average person who is not doing uh, anything beyond 
um, beyond just living your daily life. Right. Um, so I think it, it varies, and there's not really a, really a consistent um, sentencing process. Uh, and I think that's that's the problem: is that the government can create this environment where people are just so fearful uh, and not having the power to speak up because they know the consequences uh, if they do. And that's, that's, I think, how the government suppresses um, people's voices and stay in power. And that prevents change from happening as well by doing that. Yeah. 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 Ugh. <laughs> it's just depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, there's so many other countries out there that are that are in the same boat. Yeah. And and it yeah. is it is really sad for people there, for the LGBTQ people living there, that that, that that is their daily life. And and yeah, where do you go? How do you get away from that? How are you then able to live and be who you are? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um there are about seventy countries where it's legal. You know, that's a big number yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. even though i think we have made some progress in recent years you know taiwan and india mm-hmm. have made some progress on that front but uh, i think we still have a lot of work to do ahead of us yeah 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 so do you see a light at the end of the tunnel? i'm assuming this is one of those things very much that we tell people uh, as we yeah. often do vote 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 yes um mm-hmm. and you know if 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 you're voting for somebody who passes laws that hurts people you love you are hurting people you love mm. um right so do you see is there i mean is there a light at the end of our tunnel <laughs> i think i i do because i think i have to uh i i i, I do think that um Especially in the U.S., what we have seen in just within the past few weeks has just given me so much hope that there are a lot of people out there that are not willing to just stay quiet when they see injustice and are willing to speak up, even if, if it's an injustice that doesn't necessarily affect them directly, but it affects people that they know, it affects their friends, their families people who are different than them and that they are willing to you know, protest and um, bring attention to the issue. And I think that has given me hope. Uh, and I think that that light of a tunnel that I see is a lot of more people are mobilizing um, to vote or to get people to understand how important voting is in, in, in November. Um, because, you know, obviously there are, many forces that that try to suppress people's ability to want to vote in this country and that we have to push back against that. Um, And I think that also correlates with Pride Month. I think the the Pride, the LGBTQ movement in, in, in the US is really based on the power of protest, right? When when you have the first person who threw the stone at Stonewall in New York, um, or when you have protests led by supervisor um, Harvey Milk, who was assassinated in, in, in San Francisco. And I think change will come, um, and I think we'll, hopefully we'll see that in, in November. And it's interesting that you mentioned as well uh, the, the forces that work against people wanting to get out and vote, but there are also forces that work out against people in the ability to vote. And, right. and I would encourage people that even though it may be difficult, even though it may take more work, like just, just please try and do whatever you can to get out and vote because it is important and not just in the national elections, but at your state and at your local yes. levels as well, because so many yeah. people do focus on the, the federal election, which yes, is very important, but the state and, and local levels have a lot of power as well. And, and can affect, you know, your little bubble. And, and I think that that's really important to, to remind people that don't ignore those. Those are very important as well. Yeah, I agree. I think especially, you know, city councils, mm-hmm. they are yes. responsible for the budget that funds the police departments and trying to figure out how resources get allocated uh, locally. And I think, you know, it's important to bear that in mind. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. 
it's um, it's it's interesting. Just uh, this is a very small version of that. But growing up um, in, in again in uh, rural U.S., uh, the city council for where I grew up would not allow pride flags, wouldn't allow um, pride marches, anything like that. That was that was off the books. No, no, no. Uh, and I remember even when I was in college, people would come and say, "We want to do just a small gathering of people," and the city council would flatly say, "No." Now, however, they have a pretty big pride. It's a different council because people were voted yeah. onto it, and yeah. like now right. they do a nice big parade in 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 June, and it's uh, you know it's a few hundred people, but we're talking a few hundred people in a in a in a county uh, that is you know forty thousand people. That's not bad, <laughs> really. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's nice to see people going out and voting, and then changing those things on it once we change it on a cellular level um i think that sort of drifts up because then mm-hmm. uh even growing up you know people say oh well those that wasn't that bad it wasn't as bad as i thought yeah, uh, yeah. right so it, it's yeah chipping sure. away. and i think even now uh especially with covid you know obviously it's understandable that it it's even harder for people to go out and mobilize yeah and you know, whether they want want to risk the health or the health of their families yeah. to go out and, and vote. Um, and for, you know, those who don't have the option to, to have a million ballot, you know, they have to think about, you know, how can I do this safely and still exercise, you know, my right to vote. Yeah. 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 It does uh, make it a lot more challenging, which at the will moment. be a whole different conversation yeah. that we have here <laughs> soon, which is about mail-in ballots and what, whatever. It's going to be a challenge because yeah. there are those of us, you know, we're we're U.S. citizens, and so we have to mail-in vote from down here in Australia. And but even while people think of mail-in voting as being for those who are overseas and whatnot, there's a lot of people, like you said, locally who maybe for health reasons or different reasons can't get out and vote physically and, or they don't want to put themselves at risk. And so it will be interesting to see how the system handles mail-in voting this year, because I think it's going to be a much, much bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and COVID disproportionately impacts communities of color mm-hmm. right. too. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. knowing that you know we need uh, more people to go out to vote, who would you know hopefully vote the current occupant of White House out of office. I think just by the fact that more communities of color are at risk, you know, I think that's a yeah. pretty <laughs> um, scary voter suppression scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Excellent. Do you have any more questions? Yeah. So we would very much like to thank Hans, uh, Vice President of Asylum Connect, for coming on and chatting with us. So that was um, just so I get it right. It's asylumconnect.org. Is that correct? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so if anybody wants to uh, volunteer or if they want to donate, the best way, you know, if you can't volunteer, with your law degree, volunteer with your money. Yes. That's that's what we always say. You don't need a law degree to volunteer with us. <laughs> Anyone and everyone. Excellent. Uh, any final thoughts you would like to say, Hans? No, I think it, it's Pride Month, and I'm wishing everyone happy Pride. And I think all of us can do our part to make more progress, to make sure that everyone who identifies as LGBTQ can be the authentic selves without fearing for their lives and and hopefully you know things will change for the better in yeah. your term yeah go and vote i yes. think that's the, <laughs> the, one, the only other thing i would add to that <laughs> yes excellent thank you very much happy pride and uh we uh hopefully hopefully we'll see uh no offense less need for your uh for your yes. your organization here in the future yes yes i hope so yeah Thanks for having me. So just a special, special thanks to Hans uh, from Asylum Connect uh, for taking time out of his Saturday mm-hmm. to to speak with us about something that's so important that admittedly, I think I knew very, very little. I think it came across in the interview that I knew very little about uh about the the need for for something like Asylum Connect and how widespread the issue is. How and we know that policy wise, that the current administration is detrimental. Yes, we know that. But I don't think I quite realized how many asylum seekers themselves. There are so so many people. 
Yeah. And it's it's just a massive problem. And, and it is good that there are at least groups like Asylum Connect out there who are working to help people and to give them the resources and to, to try and help them get through this. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody deserves to feel safe and everybody deserves to feel safe as who they are. And so it's, it's something that's, I think so important that so many people should be able to get behind and, and know that it's not what others are taking from you. It's what we can do to help others Mm -hmm. uh, be as you know equal uh, and have the privileges and rights that we all have. Uh, again, going back to some stuff that we talked about before. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's an amazing it's an amazing organization, and yeah. I think it does something that's very important. Yeah, and if you'd like to reach out and connect with them, if you'd like to volunteer, help in any way, if you just want to donate, that's absolutely welcome. And their website is www.asylumconnect.org, and we will put a link in the show notes as well for that. Yes. And like we said in the interview, if you are unwilling to uh, donate, if you're unable to donate, if you're unable to donate your time, uh, you can vote. Uh, Absolutely. Voting is so important. And I think that uh, so many from our generation just sort of take it for granted. Um, I don't know how many know this in the U.S., but in Australia, voting is compulsory. You have to vote. Uh, You're fined if you don't vote. And I think that you know, in the U.S., it seems like and also in Australia, the voting is on the weekend. And, and it's it's after living here and looking back at the way the U.S. does it, it seems like people, they don't really want you to vote. They're trying to keep you from voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the question you should always ask yourself is, who are they trying to silence? Who are they trying to keep from voting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this isn't a political pro- podcast, and we're not going to make it a political podcast. But I would encourage people to use common sense and just when you go and vote, remember that it's not necessarily, you're not voting for um, just yourself. You're voting for all the people that you love. And, you know, something that we often say is that if you vote for someone who passes laws that hurt me, then, then you're not, you're not supporting me. No, you're doing harm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also for those who are saying, like, I'm not happy with the choices. I'm not happy with the choices. Look, we're never happy with the choices. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of it as, and this is going to be hard for people in the U.S. because many of them have not done this, getting on the bus and trying to go somewhere. Or, hell, think of it about you're either going to Universal Studios or, or Walt Disney World. Um, you end up at the parking lot. You still have to walk. You're trying to get to the neighborhood. You're trying yeah. to get, you don't get the car and park it right outside of Pirates of the Caribbean. No, you're trying to get close. And yes. I think that's that's the key is that you may not be completely happy with every candidate out there, which nobody ever is, but you're trying to get as close as possible. Like yes. what's, who's going to get us closer to our destination? And I think that's what we have to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, and any, any, any campaign that's a, a them or us is not necessarily a, a good campaign. It's all us. Come on. Yeah. So, ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and also, yeah. while we're talking about voting, and I mentioned this on the podcast as well, but be sure to vote in your local elections. Yes. Because the local, the state elections, they have, they ultimately affect you a lot more directly than the federal ones do. And I mean, it all affects you, but it, yeah, don't, don't dismiss your, your local and your state elections. Cause I know I hear a lot of people who only get out and vote during the federal elections, but there's a lot that can be done on the local level as well. Yeah. Yeah, let's. Uh, so, one of the last things we want to talk about, real quick, is as you know, you've heard, we're now affiliated with altplayground.net. Uh, they just launched their community modules, mm-hmm. their community boards. Uh, we are on one of their community boards. Well, we are on our community boards on their we, website. We have a community we board. We have a community <laughs> board. I don't know. I don't English well. Uh, and and you can connect to us there. So, you can find all of our shows and mm-hmm. some of our show notes. And we, 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 Look, we're, we'll try to post on there. I'm not, I can't promise to try, but I can promise to try to try. Right. Yes. We're just starting up our community module. So we're getting it going. We're going to try to be good about getting up there, posting on it, checking it, et cetera. May put up a few pictures here and there. But we'll it see is another on. way that you can connect to us and ask us questions and yes. that we, we do pretty well with. Yeah. Uh, so that just adds another way for you to get in contact with us. And that's on altplayground.net. Yeah. So go check us out. Find go us. check us out. So, shall we wrap this mother up? Do you have anything yeah. else you want to say? This was a heavy podcast. I'm sorry. We normally laughs and giggles and jokes and shit, but sometimes we got to get down to the real stuff and talk about things that are very important. And uh, I think this is very, this was very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, pride can be serious as well. It can't mm-hmm. all be fun and games. I mean, it can be colorful and fun and games and whatnot, but it's also a very serious matter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us and ask us questions about this podcast, feel free, do it. You can email us. We are theatomsoflove at gmail.com or on all of our socials, which are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at By The By Podcast, and uh, we we always love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else you, uh, you want to add? And if you would like access to our videos and bylogs, which we've got a few up now on our website, you can get the password by becoming a Patreon supporter at www.patreon.com slash buy the buy podcast. I completely forgot that one. I know. It's bad. I've had like a like couple of drinks and I'm like, ugh, so t- <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, definitely check us out there. Please support us. And that's how you also get uh, your hands on some of our cum rags. Mm-hmm. So. And for uh, Patreon supporters in the U.S., and Canada at the moment. I am very sorry, but there is a big delay on getting those to you because we did get one shipment out a little while ago, but from what I'm being told by the post office, it's taking a good month or two to get shipments to the U.S. because there are hardly any planes going back and forth. And at the moment, I'm not able to ship anything because they are only sending letters. So I keep trying every week, and as soon as we can get more out, I certainly will. Well, we told him we wrote a letter on the, on the towel. <laughs> it says, Dear Cumrag. <laughs> yes, so they will be going as soon as we possibly can, you know, send anything overseas again. Yes. So, Ugh. so patience, 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 people, it's coming. Damn you, COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Look, people, stay inside. Don't, uh, don't, don't start the spread, and then you'll get your Cumrags. Exactly. Yes, the faster we can get this cleared up, the faster you get right. your cumrags. And you can turn them into, we should do face masks. We should do by oh the by God. face masks. <laughs> God, that's, that's great. Oof. Okay. Uh, so, yes, thank you very much. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Mm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 